my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope that you are shining and thriving wherever you are and that you are doing well and feeling taken care of and feeling loved. And if you're not feeling that way, I hope that you're able to step aside and spend some time with yourself to figure out what is it that I need? What is it that I'm yearning for? What is it that I'm craving? And give it to yourself. And if you're with partners, friends, family that are healthy and loving and want to love you, that you advocate for yourself, that you ask, that you learn how to communicate those needs to others and let them in and let them love you too. So with that said, today's episode, we are talking about what to do when you like someone as a love avoidant. This is my two-part series where I'm talking to those of us who may be entering new romantic partnerships with partners as uh, previously identified love addicts and love avoidants. I am talking primarily to people who have been doing the recovery work for this, who have actively been working on challenging your love addiction patterns specifically, on your love avoidant patterns specifically, and doing the root trauma work that causes it. And now you're at a place where you are stable and you're entering into this new arena of doing relationships differently. These are your first go rounds and you are wanting to know how do I get closer to this partner without overattaching or in the case of love avoidance, running away. So last week I did when you like someone as a love addict, like I already said, and today is the love avoidant. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. I want to say something that I've said before in the podcast, but it's always a question when I when I talk about the different archetypes of intimacy disorders. So love addiction, love avoidance, and love deprivation, aka love anorexia, are three types of intimacy disorders, which are basically how we will push people away and hide and stop people from getting to know us. Love addiction is also a way that we hide because we hide under the guise of being overly attached to unavailable people who are more concerned with themselves. And then the other two are pretty self-explanatory with how we hide. And it's all because of uh, difficulty knowing ourselves, attaching to ourselves, appreciating ourselves because of childhood trauma that has stopped us from seeing the glory that we are, for seeing how wonderful we are. And so we carry those 
coping mechanisms that have served us as children to stay safe, to stay sane, to stay productive. And we carry that into adult relationships and we get to places where we're like, hold up, this ain't working anymore. If anything, it's getting worse. But whenever I talk about the archetypes, the people always ask, can I be more than one? Can I, can I be multiple ones or can I be the same multiple ones with the same person? Or can I flip back and forth between relationships? And the answer is yes, because basically these are just subconscious strategies so to speak that your that your brain that your spirit that your body engages in to stop you from potentially being hurt abandoned rejected and so it switches so when you are around someone who is securely attached and you are uh, say you typically are love avoidant and so you're always with people who are unavailable when you're around someone who's securely attached and showing up for you and consistent and present now you become a little bit more love avoidant now you you're busy all the time now you're picking them apart because they uh it's not as good as it used to be you're creating reasons to create distance and you're feeling very overwhelmed with growing intimacy if they keep passing your tests (laughs) so you switch to that and then in that same vein while you're like man this is way uh too much i need space you can get in the next relationship and be all up under somebody and can't get enough of them and you're always checking your phone checking your text trying to see where they're coming from trying to see what they they're thinking and all the stuff that you would never ever think to do in a million years with the person who's securely attached so yes absolutely you will you can and you do change between until you do the root work so um that's all to say i hope that you listen to both i hope that uh, if you are new to this podcast, especially, but uh, even to my OGs, if if there is a title that you think, uh, that doesn't really apply to me. Um, I mean, I do it too sometimes, especially with podcasts that I've been following for a long time and I, and I love them. Sometimes I can get under the, the guise of, well, kind of, I think I know what they're going to say, but y'all there's, there's always a nugget for everybody. And I think a lot of times we miss information that we need because we think that's for somebody else and it's not for us. And so we don't take it in. But um, but there's something for everyone. And especially with this, always listen to all the different archetype episodes because there may be something that you can connect to. Um, before One more thing before I get into the content since I'm doing an overview of this. This podcast is specifically for people who have these types of issues. I'm going to do our Healed and Love Woman framework coming up soon where I go over the different archetypes again and what the uh, healed version of those look like. Um, I believe it's episode five where it's the first episode that I talked about the archetypes if you want to scroll on down, but you'll find them throughout uh, the archive. But I say that because the name of the podcast is Black Girls Heal. And I know that people will hit on this because it's like black women healing. Yes, I love it. And if you don't align with being in out of control relationships of feeling a lot of shame and guilt about it with not being able to, to feel confident in yourself that what other people say about you gets to you, that it's hard for you to trust people to the point where you have created a lifestyle that is very problematic to you. And you, when you see other people have these types of problems for you is very simplistic. And it's like, yeah, we all have problems and things have happened to me too, but you just got to do this. You just got to stop. Or, you know, you just got to some kind of very simplified version. You're not going to like this podcast. <laughs> this, this podcast is for all of us who may even have it going on very well on the outside, but 
internally and intrapersonally, we, we got a lot of work to do and we need a safe space and a, a safe place to land to talk about these things, to normalize it, to know that we're not alone. And if nothing, if nothing that we have seen, that I've seen being a teacher and an educator and a coach here and a therapist when I was operating as a therapist for, um, for about 12 years before I transitioned fully, we need this. <laughs> we need this place and we need to hear it often and, and, and consistently. So I'm happy you're here. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. And I hope that whatever I give you today, you can take this into your everyday life to, to find more freedom. So let's get into this. Okay. When you like someone as a love avoidance, whenever I tell people who are in recovery, especially from love addiction, but whenever I'm talking about recovering from, from all of these, they are all painful because for you to, for you to do the work, you're going to have to engage with underlying trauma and, and unlearn those things and start to believe that maybe the things people said to you weren't true. Maybe things weren't your fault. Maybe the things that you need that you're not needing too much. Maybe you're perfectly normal and beautiful and, and perfect exactly as you are. And those can be very, very difficult, foreign nonsensical things to believe, even though in your heart you you want to believe that is true and other people tell you it's true. Um, there's just so many uh, weeds and things that, that crowd it out. So you do that work. And I think a lot of times people think because of the intensity around love addictive behaviors and just the obsession, the rumination, the deep crying spells, the deep pain, um, even stalking, even suicidal thoughts, panic attacks. I mean, all the things that can happen and do happen when you're in an addictive relationship and you're starting to pull away the intense guilt and shame and you're a bad person that comes up. People will believe that... um, doing once you heal from love addiction then it's going to be easy because you're just so you have so much love to give and now you're going to be open and available to be with healthy partners and i always say that if anything once you once you stop those patterns that's when myth love avoidance comes into play so we're constantly in a stage of healing and growth um because love addiction is like layer one to protect you and then love avoidance comes in to protect you from being seen. So love avoidance is what we use to keep people away because we are deeply afraid of either being hurt, of being judged, of being misunderstood, of them seeing any of the cracks and flaws that we have learned very well to hide or to overcompensate for or to fix. And if someone gets close enough to see all the things that I haven't been able to fix yet or perfect or, uh, you know, (laughs) solve whatever, then that is deeply scary. That is deeply scary because we learn to be safe by having this projected image. We learn to be safe by always being in control and um, by being able to to write our own narrative. And so real intimate relationships, they see flaws and all. They comment on it. They are there to see you when you haven't been able to, you know, fix your makeup after you've been crying. And now they are seeing you super exposed. And that type of intimacy and that type of care is devastatingly um, dangerous and scary for many of us. And so 
I said all that stuff about love addiction to say I want I just want to prep you for if you have been healing from this process and now you with now you're with an amazing person that you really want to get to know and you find yourself pulling back and you find yourself having having doubt and you find yourself trying to make yourself be busy and you find yourself doing all this stuff all this stuff first of all I want I want you to practice some self-kindness and grace and congratulate yourself for seeing that this is your defense mechanism I think a lot of times love avoidance gets swept under the rug and we don't realize it because we think, you know, just people got to keep up with us. <laughs> if they if they can't fit into my lifestyle and my flow, then it's a them thing. It's not a me thing. I'll, I'll find somebody who can. I don't need them is our magic refrain. But for you, being able to practice self-accountability and knowing that relationships take mutuality and take work and also knowing your susceptibility to rejection and pain it is no easy feat to be honest with yourself about those things. So uh, I really do want you to validate that and, and see that part of yourself. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want you to know that all of these things that have been learned can also be unlearned. Every single one of us came into this world with an open heart, with just the desire to play, to be loved, to connect with eyes of wonder, with eyes of hope. And we learned these things. And so because they were strategies and coping mechanisms that were put upon us, we can learn the same thing in the opposite direction as well. We just have to be patient and kind and and giving to ourselves things that often we weren't given before. So with that said, let's talk about three things that I want you to keep in mind when you are with someone that you really like and you're getting to know as a love avoidance. Same disclaimer as last week's episode. Some of you are already in long-term partnership relationships and and you've been with them for a a big while. You still may be able to get some things from here, especially because with just the nature of relationships that ebb and flows where some days I really love you and some days I need you to get away from me (laughs) and and just falling into patterns. Knowing these ways to move closer to them just puts it on your radar in case it is something that that is a good takeaway for you today. So the first thing is, as a love avoidance, you need to practice and 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 hone the skill of telling them about your day and letting them into what's going on in your mind and your heart and your inner working. Now, this is this is different because typically with my my ladies who are love addicted, I will talk about strategies and rules to kind of pull back a little bit more and to not be on text all day and to not be calling them all day and to have a lot of limits. But with my love avoidant ladies, y'all need to learn how to push forward. You need to learn how to be more more available to these conversations, to to moments that are not controlled, to spontaneity, to not having rehearsed communication, to just allow all of that stuff down and just be yourself. Something so important that I miss in my intros too is that these are things that I'm going to tell you to do or suggest for you to do suggest for you to do with people who are healthy and available. If you are doing this as a love avoidant with someone who is either narcissistic or someone who is uh, very love addicted towards you, you are actually going to be enabling 
without intending to, you're going to be enabling this insatiable need that that person has on the other end to have more of you. There's never going to be enough sharing, uh, uh, giving communication that's going to satisfy a narcissist or someone who's love addicted to you because they're trying to use this connection to you to fill something within that you're never going to be able to feel fill. And so what that means for you as someone who's trying to communicate and be open and share your day because Sheena told you to, you're going to start to feel drained and depleted because it's going to be very soul sucking to you. And I think that's what happens with a lot of love avoidance when we, when we don't quite do our work fully and we don't pay attention to red flags and we're not clear on the patterns of the people that we attach to. We try to do these really healthy things with unhealthy people and all of our fears and all of our traumas get reinforced because they do exactly the things that we don't want them to do. And then we say, well, see, that's why I don't let people in. That's why I don't talk about things. That's why, because they just want so much. I feel so overwhelmed. I feel so smothered. I feel so claustrophobic. And yeah, because you're, you're sharing your life with people who low key don't have their own life. Uh, and this is with love y'all. I remember I'm a love addict. (laughs) I am a recovering love addict. And I, and and y'all know, y'all know, uh, we, or better to say, I'll talk specifically about love addicts. In love addicts, we can have a really great life, but what happens with us is when we get with someone that we really like and enjoy, we just want more of them. And so our life slowly disappears. We slowly stop hanging out with our friends. We slowly stop doing hobbies because hanging out with you becomes our hobby. You become our best friend. And it's not intentional. It's not because we are trying to deify you. It's just what happens. It's part of that attachment. It's part of that learned coping mechanism that is subconscious. And with narcissists, it is their own severe trauma that shows up in them seeing people as property for domination, for control, and all the stuff that goes along with it. So really, there's not going to be enough that you can give them because they're always going to want more and move the goalposts. So going back to what this looks like for you in sharing your day as a love avoidant, it means just initiating not only hellos, it might mean um, taking pictures of what you're doing throughout the day. It might mean uh, sharing a thought that you have instead of waiting for them to share a thought first. Uh, If you're thinking about them, maybe let them know is what I'm saying is don't play a game of chicken. (laughs) But like, (laughs) I'm only going to say something nice if they say something nice. And even when they do say something nice, I'm going to play it cool and reserved and just be real chill about it. Let them know that you like them back. It feels good. It feels good for you and it it feels good for them. I think even, you know, uh, about half a year ago, I had a couple of uh, indirect, I made a couple of indirect references to masculine and feminine energy because it was something that I was, it was a concept that I was using that was healing a lot of things within me. And, um, and I know because of all the things that I listen to, for those who are very attuned to the, to the structure of what a lot of um, feminine energy teachers teach, which is you need to be more reserved and play it cool. But there's one concept in there or one nuance to that, which really aligns with what I'm saying is it's, it basically tells you to be a person of pleasure and joy and happiness, right? To be someone who not even just romantic partners, but coworkers, friends, family members, that when they are around you, they feel ease, flow, uh, vibrance, life, 
because it is what you give yourself. And if you're that type of person who is super open, who is super available, that means those type of people don't filter themselves and they don't censor this themselves themselves when they really like someone, when something brings them joy. They don't say, okay, well, I'm only going to smile 40%. They smile with their whole chest, with their whole mouth. They they say thank you and they, they receive it and they sparkle a little bit because they just feel so good. And so as a love avoidant, it's going to be you allowing yourself to to unlearn some of those games uh, of you know the ball and and who's in charge and all that and just fully be yourself because here's the thing, someone who likes you is going to be available for you. If they don't like you, it's going to lead to you. They're not going. They're going to make excuses. They're going to be flaky. You're going to be confused. People who are available and, and intentional about you, they are going to pursue you. And so it is a, it's safe for you to move forward. The people who are doing all the other confusing thing, confusing stuff I just said, if you've been doing your self-work, if you have been unlearning these patterns, if you've been seeing, okay, this... Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. This is where I went go wrong sometimes, and this is why I do that, and this is what I need to learn instead to do. Uh, When those red flags happen, you're going to catch that, and you're going to be out of there. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real, genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. 
With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. I see that with my students all the time. They are, <laughs> they, they see this stuff from the beginning now. And, and, and it, it makes dating, mm, how do I want to say this? I want to say it makes dating different. That's the word I'm going to use. Because when you are ignorant to all these red flags and these things, you'll date someone like your dating card is always full. You're always doing things and you're always, you know, hanging out with people and all of that stuff. But once you become aware and the blinders are open, it's not that you become more discriminant. It's just you can't go back. Like you can't fake it just to have a good time. It gets old. And even if you try to entertain it, it's like, man, you wilding right now. Or a girl, this is way too much. And you will pull back. And so... Only do this with people who are healthy and available and be free to do it. And also trust yourself to know that you don't have to, once you get to this place of of self-balance and self-trust, you don't have to, as a level weighted, put people through a million tests to see if they're healthy because you're, you're already operating in the world as an available person. And so you just trust that anyone who comes across me who is not operating the standards that I desire for them to have access to to me, then I can end that relationship. I'm not going to live my life in a box because I'm afraid of what someone may or may not do. I'm not going to let anyone else. This is how you take your power back as a love avoider because we're so, I mean, one of the core fears that we have as love avoidance is people trying to take our independence, take our freedom, uh, not uh, try to make us do things we don't want to do. And so the way you take your freedom back is actually to be more available and more open and not live your life uh, muted in a muted fashion because of the messed up things that people did in your past, but to be fully you. And like I said in the previous episode, the people who are attracted to you are attracted to the full version of you. So if you if you as a love avoidant, you know, y'all are flirting, y'all are, you know, kicking, y'all are really in your honeymoon period and then you start to feel that things are getting a little bit too intimate and you start to pull back and you start to fall into those games and and like uh well this might be too much or i don't want to seem too clingy or i don't want to seem too blah 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 blah. honey that's those are exact things that y'all mutually liked about each other so why would you stop doing those things you know it is safe to move forward until the signs show you that it's not and then you can learn cut it off and learn from that lesson and use that for your understanding for the next partner or partners that you decide to be with. So telling them about their day, texting them, checks in, check-ins, calling, initiating uh, for love avoidance. I think you need to do that a little bit more and it's probably going to land you in an average area. You think it's going to land you in stalker area, but as a love avoidant, you probably don't do it at all. So just a little bit more is probably going to still land you in a very conservative 
place, but at least people aren't guessing and you're also getting the enjoyment that you need because you're talking to them because you like them. So why rob yourself of the opportunity to connect with someone that you really like? Okay. Uh, So this kind of aligns with the second one, uh, which is initiate compliments and uh, kindness and, and soft moments with them too. Pet names, thinking about you, I miss you. Uh, whenever I have been in my full love avoidance stance, I would only be responsive to those types of comments if they did it first. And even then I'll be like, thanks, appreciate it. Aw. And <laughs> I I know that I know that um I know that there are some people who will teach that that that's kind of a good thing, you know, to kind of leave them guessing. And I just wonder if there's some middle ground between leaving someone guessing, if that's part of your stilo, because I know everybody has different styles, if that's part of your style, and also saying what you want to say, um, flirting back, you know, leaning into that sexiness, not always waiting for someone else to to give you something when you have so much to give as well, you know? Um, accessing your voice and your power to be sensual, to be sexy, to be flirty, to, you know, I mean, that is another side. If, since I already started talking about feminine, feminine energy, you know, the dark feminine is what um, a lot of feminine energy teachers refer to that as and just really operating in that and operating in that seduction and knowing that people like that, partners like that, you like that, they like that. Uh, and you can determine what ratio, or what rules you want with that, but just that you do it. And that it's okay for you to do it. And it's safe for you to do it. And same thing, y'all. Every initiation that you have with someone, especially when you're in this dating process, you're gathering information. If you are initiating being sexy, complimentary, doing little knickknack treats and gifts or whatever your love language is, and they are unappreciative, they're unresponsive, they feel entitled to it even, uh, they demand more, they, they criticize it. This is all information for you to take in and not say, oh, well, let me figure out how to deal with it. I'm with someone who doesn't really like this and they criticize it, so let me adjust myself. No, same thing I said previous episode. You are looking to see who is the right fit, whether it's the right fit of this person for this season or if you are are a someone if you are someone who wants to have a long term commitment to someone, then you're evaluating people to see if they can be a lifetime partner. And if this type of way that you show love and try to initiate connection does not fit for them, it does not fit. And you would be unwise for you to try to morph yourself to be something that you're not and or fight with them, um, you know, shame them, guilt them for not being the right fit for you. You know, when I look at my son, when he was first learning how to do puzzles and y'all know the little bucket that has the square shape and the circle shape and the triangle shape, it, it reminds me of when, before he learned to actually put the pieces where they needed to go, he would fight like hell to get that circle in the square and just be mad and want to like turn it over and kick it and do all this stuff. And like, honey, you're the one who's making it harder than you need to. If you actually know, if you actually put it in the hole that it fits, it will go smoothly. 
easily and is a much enjoyable experience. And even sometimes after he learned how to do it, he would still try to force it in there. And that's my, that's that Taurus energy, I guess, <laughs> that, that stubbornness. <laughs> and I was like, same thing. You know, we sometimes we know what to do and we still try to make things work. And, um, you know, this is where I'm going to end the metaphor because there could be a lot of reasons for it. It could just go back to us not looking at maybe unresolved or unexposed parts of our story and our trauma that maybe have normalized that relationships and love and connection come with drama, come with dysfunction. And it shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way. I'm going to say forever and ever and ever that the honeymoon period, relationships take work and relationships are take bumps and they're hard. But if your honeymoon period is like this, if the evaluation period is like this, then it is only going to be a, um, it's only setting the precedent and showing you in a microcosm what it's going to be like later, but just multiply that by five times because life is going to life and you need to have someone where y'all are on the same page with when it comes to communicating, connecting, building a friendship together where it can be mutual. So take this information in, don't ignore it. And if you already got feelings for somebody, you've already caught feelings for someone and these last couple of episodes are making you think, I, I get it. I understand. There have absolutely been times that someone has exposed things to me. Even when I was dating my narcissist after I was in 12-step recovery, <laughs> which is another reason why I'm here <laughs> teaching this to y'all so y'all don't do this. Uh, when I was dating the guy who was a narcissist, I saw full out what, what was happening. And I, I shared that because I told one of my girlfriends at the time um, who was um, in the program with me, I was like, I know that he's like this. And I know what I need to do, but I just kind of have to ride this out so that I don't, um, I don't go back for it. And I know this might be a little bit of a controversial, dangerous thing to say, especially when it comes to narcissism. But I was only with this guy for like maybe a month and some change, um, maybe maybe that long, um, and that includes the back and forths because I just couldn't do it and my eyes were fully open. Um, So I'm only saying that for y'all, if you're listening to this, that I understand that sometimes you can have the knowledge and you just kind of have to live with that knowledge for a little bit before you're like, no, no, I I refuse. Um, I wish it was different, but all this stuff, I just can't stomach anymore uh, now that my eyes are open. So take your time, be kind with yourself and and choose you choose you because that's the most loving thing to do and it's best if you release that person as well to find a way that they can choose themselves and or be with partners that are a better fit for them and yeah so that is the second one the third thing that i want to share for you to do when you like someone as a love avoidant and this one is i am going to strongly suggest for you to do versus tell you to do is I want you to trust that you at your most vulnerable, goofy, and imperfect moments that the person that you're with wants to see that too. Again, love avoidance, for the most part, we are very good at presentation. We are experts at it. We are so good at crafting 
what we want other people to see and they don't see anything less and anything more. And we're very good at damage control and we're very good at messaging and personal marketing. And when it comes to intimate relationships, a lot of the reasons that we may push, start to push people away is because they may see those exposed parts. And it can, those unpolished moments, whether or not it's dancing really funny in your living room or a weird way that you eat cookie dough or that things are actually getting to you emotionally, you know, whatever the level of vulnerability and silliness and goofiness or imperfection that you have, um, your partner has chosen you because they want to get to know all of you. Again, this exists with healthy, available people, even people that you're like, they're so amazing. If they see this part of me, they are going to run for the hills and they're not. If anything, they may see it as quirky. They may see it, um, not quirky, that's not the word. Well, yes, quirky, but um, like endearing. They may see it as uh, a, a special privilege that they get to see this part of you that other people don't. Um, that's one of the magic things that happens when you're in a deep, intimate relationship, that you build this this best friendship, that this kinship, this connection that is so private and just between the two of you. Um, that is what makes it so sweet, and that's what makes it so safe. And you got to let them see those parts of you and not apologize for it, uh, to not feel like you need to uh, give disclaimers before you do it or say, oh, you probably think this or you probably think that. Uh, and if that is what's happening for you, by the way, instead of you trying to act like you're not feeling a little bit vulnerable, instead of projecting what you think they think, because it's really about what you think, say, sometimes I feel this about myself. And sometimes I feel like this part of me is really silly. What do you think? And as much as I talk about not caring about what other people think, I think because this is a safe person and a safe space and, um, or actually let me amend that. Instead of you saying, what do you think? You can directly ask because that question is really a bid for them to tell you that you're good enough, right? To tell you that you're pretty enough, that you're smart enough, that you're funny enough, that they're not going to leave. You can practice telling them what it is that you want for them. So this part of me kind of makes me feel embarrassed and makes me feel as if um, you might judge me. Can you tell me that this isn't that bad? Right? Um, That kind of stuff. So hopefully that helps. But those are three things for you to do when you are starting off and you really like someone as a love avoidant to move closer to them, to be open, to spend more time with them, to let them into your day, uh, to not... Uh, Create a whole separate life because that's what we do as love avoiders. We're very good at compartmentalizing things because we have learned that that is what makes us able to to function. And it's possible to involve people in multiple areas of your life. And yes, before you even say it, it, it is a risk. There is absolutely a risk in this in that you can get really used to talking to this person all the time. You can really start to like the compliments. You can really start to truly fall in love in a deeper way than you've ever fell in love before. And it can be very, very scary to do this. Not it can be. It is very, very scary to do this. But I also want you to to consider the possibility 
that maybe, especially because you're moving differently and literally you're a different version of yourself, that this relationship does not have to end in flames and fire, that maybe what could also happen is that this becomes something that's super beautiful, that is super loving and enriching, something that makes you better and makes them better. And even if it does end after a while, that you can leave without feeling like this was a waste of time, that this was wrong, that you lost out, that how you'll hear some people say that they really love somebody and they would never take back their time from them if they lost that person through due to death or circumstance or otherwise. Maybe that's an experience that you could have. And maybe that's an experience that you can understand and that that will become your new norm. That now when you're a partner with people, you have the most amazing relationships with them and maybe one or two last long term and others just are there for the season um, instead of, you know, the other ones that bring us to this place of healing in the first place. So that is my wish for all of you that you have those moments and that that becomes your new reality and truth. And yeah, so I hope you like this episode. All of the things that I mentioned that get in the way of us making these changes of actually setting them in and they actually stay versus us. We try to text them a little bit and then we get scared and we get busy and we don't know how to stay on track or we don't know how to initiate or we do initiate and then they say something that hurts us feelings, hurts our feelings and we feel like running, but we don't know if it's actually a them thing or us thing. And then all the ways that our self-doubt, trauma stories and everything gets in the way. All those are the things that I help my students with in the recovery school. This is my last time teaching this live. I'll be teaching it live through September through December before I close my live teaching and my live coaching. And I would love for you to be a student. I would love that if you have heard things that you feel uh, pertain to you, that you feel you need access to, that you allow me to support you and guide you in this process. You keep the curriculum even past December, even past the time that I will no longer be teaching it live so that you can refer back to it, um, have access to the student community to share wins and questions with each other. And during the time that I'm teaching it live, you have access to private calls, to group coaching, and all the stuff that goes along with that. We are having our open house on Tuesday, August 30th at 6.30 p.m. CST, and I will be going over the structure of the program, what I teach, how I teach it, what you can expect, the pricing, the payment plans, and all of that stuff. This will be your last chance to join me before I stop. I just want to make that very clear because I think in the past I've talked about this and it's been that it's just for this cohort time, but then I will open a future cohort. This is my last time teaching this program um, in this way. So we'd love for you to join us. You can save your seat by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash open house. Again, it's blackgirlsheal.org slash open house. And yeah, I'm sending you all so much love. As always, take care of yourselves and I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 